Please find your hymn book and turn you them to number six, please and thank you. Turn your hymn books to number six. Stand up with me if you can. We'll sing the mighty power of God. Amen. We'll sing all verses. All
have Pastor come up and do his announcements for us. All right, it's good to be here today. Good to see everyone and uh, be in the Lord's house together, of course. It's good to have a Savior that saves, isn't it? <laughs> a Lord that saves, a God that saves. And uh, what a blessing we have in Him. So a few announcements. Uh, one, I'm going to mention this now so that while I'm announcing the other things, you have a couple minutes. But uh, last week we talked about taking up an offering for the Friend family. Uh, as you know, their bus burned last year. They had a, a bus fire. What did I say? Last year. I'm sorry, last week. Sorry. <laughs> their bus burned last week, about a week and a half ago almost now. Uh, it is total. That has been decided. Um, and as I said the last time, they've not asked for anything or just, you know, I just feel like the Lord wants to be a blessing to them. So if we can do that, we want to, and prayerfully, um, we can accomplish that. Um, so we'll do that with the offering. So what we'll do is when you put your offering in the plate, if, you just, if it's loose cash or un unidentified cash, uh, untraceable. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> then we will, it'll go towards the friend family. If you put it in an envelope and it says tithe or offering or anything like that, even if it doesn't have a name, that's fine. Uh, it'll go to the offering. So if that makes sense, if you don't mark it in an envelope or something, what it's for, and if you put it in an envelope and you want to say friends, that's fine too. Um, if you want there to be a record or even if you don't, just so we know. But um, So we're going to do that here with the offering, it'll just be one one thing. So, also encourage you to continue praying about our building project. Um, we had a letter in the mail yesterday from the engineer in Pennsylvania, and he is going to help us Amen. with our design. So that is a huge answer of prayer, that is a blessing. And uh, he said that, you know, he's been praying about it, and uh, he said last week his pastor preached a message that just made it clear in his heart that the Lord wants him to do this. So. He said, with the Lord's help, they want to be a help to us. And uh, so just keep that in prayer. And uh, he said, we'll be talking soon about nailing down well, you know, specifics, and, and he'll get working on that. So that's exciting. That's a blessing. Pray all goes well. In the meantime, something you can specifically pray about is he's not licensed in Maine to do uh, any official drawings. So pray the Lord will help us find an architect or engineer that is willing to put their seal on his work. So once they review it, it has to have a seal before it goes to the fire marshal because the fire marshal is going to want to see that. So uh, there is a lady who sometime in the last year graduated from arch architectural school and is working as, a, as an architect now in Southern Maine. She used to be a member at Churchill. I'm going to reach out to her, but I don't know if being graduated and working for an architect or working as an architect means she has her own licenses or if she's working under someone else's license, which I don't know. Anyways, there's a lot of things I don't understand about this stuff uh, because I don't work in, in that part of it. So just pray the Lord will, that she'll be able to or maybe she can point us to someone who can. Pray about those things. So those are some specifics. Um, also, ladies meeting is a week from tomorrow, Monday the 14th. Um, so that is coming up be at 6 p.m. I also, so we have a video, I meant to show it last week, but I forgot, which works out because we were pretty, uh, we had a, a lot of folks out, so 
every, well, the last two years, they've put out a video for family camp, kind of an advertisement. Uh, and uh, this one's just kind of a fun little McFarland family getting ready for family camp. And it, and it just shares a few things. So I say advertisement, just kind of shows that it's fun. So let's watch this for a moment.
fun at family camp. We have the instruments, but we don't make music like that. Just so you know. <laughs> That's pretty fancy. They know what they're doing, those guys can play that. But we do play uh, yeah, we do play music, but it's pretty pretty basic. But we have fun. You got guitars and sometimes there's a mandolin or two, maybe a banjo, some violins and a piano. So uh, and you know, just chords. You just all—you saw us all standing around, kind of in a group, and we just play. And uh, Brother David Wiley leads the singing, and we just have a good time. So I'd encourage you if you can come. It is a lot of fun. I got a text literally while the video was playing. This is kind of funny from Philip Kinney, telling me that cutoff is the 13th. It's the last day for registration. So today's the sixth. Uh, so as of the 14th, no more registration. So familycamp.me is the website if you want to show up and be part of that. So I'd encourage you if you can, do it. It's a lot of fun, and it is always uh, <laughs> always a blessing. And lots of laughs. You saw the obstacle course. I heard there's going to be an obstacle course this year. Um, I think that's what I recently heard from Elizabeth. So who knows if it's true. But <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing. Last year they played softball, and uh, I think this year I heard they're going to build another obstacle so you saw some of the components of that, uh, and probably it'll be different. My brother-in-law, last year's video, so my brother-in-law is like six, three or four, and uh, he's lost a lot of weight, but he, he's still, you know, he's a good-sized guy, and uh, he lost a lot of weight because he had surgery on his esophagus or whatever last week and a half ago. He said he's lost like 11 pounds, but he's got to eat everything pretty much to a straw right now, so who knows what will happen when that opens back up. But he, uh, anyways, he said the one thing he learned at family camp 
is don't wear a brand new pair of pants and run an obstacle course. Major rip out a couple years ago. <laughs> Going over the time, and then he had to go to work, but it drove a school bus, so he was sitting down the whole time. <laughs> but anyways, he learned a lot more than that. He was just having fun, but we have a lot of fun. And again, if you can, I'd encourage you to come. I think there was one more thing. No, I think that's everything. So, ushers, if you would come on down. Caleb, can you pray for the offering, bud? Yes, sir. God, thank you for this wonderful day, Lord. Please bless the offering, Lord. Please help the Brown family with their bus, Lord. Please um, help every, please bless everybody with the message today, Lord. And uh, in this name, amen. Amen. to 108. Rescue the perishing. Stand with me one last time. 108. Thank you. 
It is good to be in the Lord's house today. It's good to be with God's people, with our church family. Yes, Joe, if you can be dismissed. Okay, correction on the family camp. T-shirt cutoff. If you want a family camp t-shirt, that cutoff is the 14th. Registration is September 1st at midnight. There we go. So make sure we have accurate information. I don't know what Brother Phillip's doing texting on Sunday. <laughs> All right, Ephesians, if you hadn't guessed it from the screen back there, Ephesians chapter 6. And I'll tell you, I've been wrestling with these few verses a little bit. We're not going to make it very far through them today. So this will probably be a two or three week series through this section of scripture. And I guess, you know, there's some things I like to try and have a solid grasp on what things say. I don't always get to where I would like to be, but there's some things in this passage, these four verses, that I think are tremendously important and that I think can be a help to us and help us to grow. Now, we're going to read all four verses for context's sake, but we're really focusing on verse number one. That's pretty much as far as we're going to get today is verse number one because there's, it's talking about children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. We're going to talk some about children obeying their parents. Next week we'll probably talk more about that and honor your father and mother for this is the first commandment with promise and all that. But we're going to focus a lot today on that phrase in the Lord and what that's talking about. And we're going to look at a number of verses uh, but um, a good chunk of them are in the book of Psalms. So when I'm having you turn, we'll, we'll work through those Psalms. So it's not a, I mean, there'll be some pages to turn, but it won't be all over the Bible to where you're wearing, getting worn out too much, hopefully. But that phrase, in the Lord, is in the Bible quite a lot. And there are always, well, I shouldn't say always, there's a few instances where there's some negatives tied to it. Typically, it's when they're not in the Lord. <laughs> but when the phrase in the Lord is used, it is typically a good thing. It is a good thing. And uh, so let's go ahead and stand together. Kind of getting a little ahead, but I do that sometimes. We'll read these first four verses of chapter 6. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Let's go ahead and pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for every person that's here today, Lord, and I pray that as we consider this passage of Scripture, as we consider this study on being in the Lord and uh, what it means and what, what you're saying when you refer to that, Lord, I just pray that we'd be helped by it.
And Lord, I pray that your will would be accomplished today and that you would uh, just fill this place with your spirit, with the spirit. And Lord, fill this place with your word. I just pray ultimately that Christ would be magnified, that you would be lifted up, and that you would be honored and pleased and glorified, Lord, in all that we say and do today. Father, bless this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So, for children to be raised the way that God wants them to be raised, there are some things that have to happen. And we're not going to talk a lot about them today, as I said. We might touch on them more next week and then the week after. But obviously there has to be some discipline. I won't talk a lot about discipline right now, but... You know, discipline has to be handled with the right spirit, with the right attitude. Uh, you know, sometimes discipline can be done in anger. That's not the right spirit to discipline in. It should be in love and with compassion. So children are not being trained and I understand, I know we're at church, so the people here probably have a pretty good idea of how to biblically raise your kids. Maybe, maybe not prayerfully you do. I'm going to assume that there's not a ton of new information when I talk about this, but if there is, I don't mean it as an insult. I'm just, you know, kind of talking right now. Um, but children are often not trained anymore. Uh, you know, the mindset of, well, we just need to let them turn into who they're going to be. You know, let them grow into who they're going to be. They'll find themselves, and they'll become who they are intended to be. Uh, I was going to say made, but you know, that's not what they mean. <laughs> who they were made to be is not what they intend. So anyways, while that sounds all well and good to some people, we know that it's not what God wants us to do. We're to train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he'll not depart from it. Uh, we have to train our children and raise them up to be what God wants them to be. Now, what they do for a job, fine. They, that's going to depend on who they are, what their interests are, how the Lord leads, all those kinds of things. Uh, you know, there are aspects that, uh, you know, oh, sorry, I'm putting this on quiet here. There we go. There are aspects to what they are or who they are or what they do as adults that may be determined by other things. But as far as raising up our children, we need to raise them up, well, according to verse 4, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We train them and raise them and teach them and guide them. And, uh, you know, I mentioned discipline earlier. You know why discipline is so important? Because the truth is, if you don't do what you're supposed to, there are consequences. Am I wrong? Uh, we live in a world where nobody wants consequences, where people don't understand there are consequences and where consequences are being either reduced or minimized or sometimes there are not any when there should be. And the result is chaos and anarchy. It's rebellion. And if we don't have training and discipline for our children, then uh, you get what that, you understand what we're going to get and go to Walmart, spend a couple hours, and you'll see what happens when their children are not trained. Now, a big part of the issue is, well, verse 4, and ye fathers. A big part of the issue is fathers aren't in the picture. Fathers aren't 
fulfilling their role and their job, and we can blame all the different things that we often blame. Uh, our culture is taught that fathers are just imbeciles and they're clueless and they're a joke and all those things. So, you know, fathers feel like they need to sometimes be workaholics because they got to have that new truck and boat and camper and all, you name it, you know, so they're at work all the time. And a lot of times moms at work all the time too. You know, it's a struggle. There's a lot of challenges. So we could talk about all the excuses, but that's for you and I who know better that's what they are, they're excuses. We know better than that. So we have to not say, well, this and that and this and that, so that's why I'm not able or why I haven't. Well, there's an old Southern Gospel song, it was called Excuses. Excuses, excuses, we hear them every day. Well, the devil, he'll supply them and from church we'll stay away. And anyways, it goes on, but uh, you know, that's, what they are, their excuses. So fathers have a great responsibility and the children have a great responsibility. We'll touch on the children today. We'll get into the fathers later on, uh, but we'll look at this verse a little bit more in depth. So children obey your parents. What is it to obey? Look with me at Genesis chapter 27, verse number eight. I'm in Exodus reading 27.8 going, what is that? <laughs> Something went wrong. Genesis 27 and verse 8. It's in here, son. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. So what is it to obey? Well, look at Exodus 24, 7. One more for right now. Very next book of the Bible. 24 and verse number 7. Sorry, I didn't change the screen. There you go. That helped. It says, and he took the book of the covenant and read in the audience of the people. And they said, all that the Lord hath said will we do and be obedient. So we see obedience is a compliance with a command. My son, the commands are given, obey. All that the Lord hath said, that will we do and be obedient. Pretty simple, probably didn't need to do that, but just to make sure we're all on the same page with what obedience is, it is compliance to the command. So when we read children obey your parents, it's pretty clear what exactly that means. Children, comply with what your parents are telling you to do. Obey when they tell you to do something. So when, uh, so what then does the phrase in the Lord mean? Because we gotta put these two things together because the verse doesn't stop there, children obey your parents. Nope, it's children obey your parents in the Lord, comma, for this is right. There's more to it than that. So when we read that statement, we have to consider what does in the Lord mean? So the first time we see the phrase in the Bible, in the Lord, is in Genesis. So if we go back to Genesis chapter 15, 
Genesis chapter 15 and verse number 6. Sorry, I'm a little slow on this. Genesis 15, 6. And he believed in the Lord. Who? Abram. Abraham was later called. And he believed in the Lord. We see that phrase, in the Lord. And he counted it to him for righteousness. So, quickly, that phrase, in the Lord, the very first time we see it in the Bible, deals with someone's faith in the Lord. Not only does it deal with their faith, but it also deals with what they are as a result of their belief, of their faith in the Lord. They are counted righteous. Now, if we look over in Romans chapter 4, we see this again. Romans chapter number 4. This is a cross-reference to that passage. It expounds upon what that verse means, if you will, or what that verse is saying. Whoops, Romans 4. I was tempted to read the whole chapter, but we won't for today. Romans 4, 1 through 4 says, What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. What's that saying? If Abraham was justified by works, then he has something to glory in, his good works. He could glory in the fact that he was good enough to be considered righteous by God. He could boast in that. He could be proud in that. But the verse doesn't stop with that statement. It says, but not before God. Verse 3, for what saith the scripture? That's what really matters. Whenever we're wondering about what the truth is, ask that question. What saith the scripture? What's the Bible say? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace. The one who is looking to their works to be considered righteous before God, in other words, to be saved, it says they are not reckoned, they are not given or paid, or it's not considered balanced out that they're going to receive grace. What do they receive? Debt, it says, but of debt. Look at verse 5. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, is his faith is counted for righteousness. We keep going. There's so much good stuff in chapter 4, but that's not really the whole point of the message. So the point of what we're saying here is that to be in the Lord, one must be saved. That's, that's the first step. We can't be in the Lord if we're not saved, if we're not born again. Abraham is the very first one to ever have that phrase tied to. And it was a result of his belief, or it was his belief in the Lord. So we understand Abraham believed God. The result of his faith was salvation. He was counted righteous, thus placing him in the Lord. This next passage speaks to the potential consequences of not being in the Lord. If we look over in Joshua 22, Joshua chapter number 22, sixth book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. Joshua 22. Verses 21 through 29. 
some of the tribes of Israel. are having a discussion here. And the response of these ones shares a concern of the accusation of not being in the Lord. So in verse 21 it says, Then the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh answered and said unto the heads of the thousands of Israel, The Lord God of gods. Notice gods there is little g. The Lord God of gods, he knoweth, and Israel he shall know, if it be in rebellion, or if in transgression against the Lord. Save us not this day, that we have built us an altar to turn from following the Lord. Let this not be the case, they're saying. That we have built us an altar to turn from following the Lord, or if to offer thereon burnt offering or meat offering, or if to offer peace offerings thereon, let the Lord himself require it. And if we have not rather done it for fear of this thing, saying, In time to come your children might speak unto the, our children, saying, What have ye to do with the Lord God of Israel? For the Lord hath made Jordan a border between us and you, ye children of Reuben and children of Gad. Ye have no part, there it is, in the Lord. So shall your children make our children cease from fearing the Lord. Therefore we said, let us now prepare to build us an altar, not for burnt offering nor for sacrifice, but that it may be a witness between us and you and our generations after us, that we might do the service of the Lord before him with our burnt offerings and with our sacrifices and with our peace offerings, that your children may not say our, to our children in time to come, ye have no part in the Lord. Therefore said we that it shall be... All right, so where, where are we going with this? What is this saying? So you've got these tribes of Israel with a river between them, opposite sides of the river, and the Reubenites... And who was it? I just read it. Is it the Gadites? Yep. Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh are looking over at the rest of Israel saying, here's the problem we've got here, Israel, other half of Israel or better than half, whatever it is. They said, we're over here and you're over there. We've got this river between us. And if we're not careful, some of us could end up not serving the Lord like we're supposed to. You know, division sometimes can cause us to get off track because we don't have that accountability of the others. That's part of the reason church is so important. So if we're divided, you folks from Israel, and we're over here, the issue is that we could be over here and end up getting mixed in with the wrong people, and the result is now we're offering strange sacrifices to other little g gods, and the result is you're over there looking at us across the river saying, look at them over there. They have no part in the Lord because they've begun worshiping other gods and they've gotten themselves into a mess. So they said, to avoid this happening, let's build us an altar, all of us together, in between us. We're going to put this altar here. We're not even going to offer sacrifices on it, but it's going to be a reminder to us so that when we see it and our children see it, it's a reminder to us that we are going to continue to serve the one God, the living God. So that you will never have to look over here and say they have no part in the Lord because that altar serves as a reminder. You know, that's a good, that's a good 
testimony to the necessity of boundaries and standards in our life. We've got to set things in our life that serve as a reminder to us that we need to live our lives in the Lord. Amen. Because if we don't and we just live our life without those things that set the reminders or, or prompt us or encourage us, then we'll find ourselves living in the world instead of living our life in the Lord. So, when we're not in the Lord, you know what it produces? Rebellion. I said that a couple moments ago, but that's what we will end up with. And that's one thing to say. So, children, obey your parents in the Lord. I think that's one of the reasons why we have that phrase there, in the Lord. Because if they're just obeying their parents because they know they're supposed to, that's only going to take them so far. Their attitude in obeying their parents will not be right. Because they're obeying their parents because they're fearful of the consequences, if there are any. And if they're obeying their parents not because ultimately they're obeying the Lord, the end result is when they're able to make their own decisions, I'm going to just go and do everything opposite of what mom and dad made me do because I got a mind of my own and I'm going to do my own thing now. Rebellion. Sometimes that's the only reason. It's for rebellion's sake. 2 Kings 17, 14 says, Notwithstanding, they would not hear, but hardened their necks, like to the neck of their fathers that did not believe in the Lord their God. I was speaking about Israelites who hardened their necks. The result was they refused to believe in the Lord their God. A lack of believing in the Lord, a.k.a. a lack of faith, will result in rebellion and idolatry. And can I say this? You can be saved, but not live by faith. You can be saved and not be living your life in the Lord. You can be living it in your flesh. Kind of like Galatians 5 talks about, the struggle between living in the flesh and living in the Spirit. We can be saved and just be doing our own thing and doing our very best to ignore the Lord. Well, how do we do that? Well, you quench the Spirit, you resist the Spirit, and the result is we just live in our flesh and we just try to push the Spirit of God into a corner and back Him in there and and hold Him there so that we can live our life. And you know, can I say this? The more you get used to a noise, the more you get used to a sound and you practice ignoring it, you can get really good at it. Ask the average husband. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, you know, the more we practice ignoring a sound, where, what am I, where am I going with that? When the Holy Spirit is trying to get our attention and we get used to tuning out that noise, we can get really good at resisting him, at ignoring him. Uh, one pastor said that the Holy Spirit is a perfect gentleman. He's not going to grab you by the shirt and shake you to get your attention. He's going to be that still small voice, that gentle knock on the door saying, hey, pay attention. You shouldn't be doing that. Well, we, we have a... We are good at getting ourselves to be calloused. All right, in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse number 1, 
1 Samuel chapter 2, we have Hannah. Hannah was a sweet lady who wanted a son desperately. At this time in the Bible and in Jewish history, it was a tremendous honor for a lady to bear a son because he would carry on the family name. And Hannah was one of two wives, and her counterpart was able to have a son, and she wasn't, so she was just, she wasn't able to bear children. She was sad and heartbroken. In 1 Samuel 2, 1, it says, And Hannah prayed and said, "My." So God gave her a son, just to kind of prep you for this verse. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. You know, one of the things when we're living in the Lord that we get to have is joy. There is joy in the Lord. Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. When we're living our life in the Lord, we'll see, we're going to see some other verses that talk about rejoice in the Lord, joyfulness in the Lord. When we are living by faith, it's not always easy, but when we're living by faith, trusting in the Lord, believing in the Lord, hoping in the Lord, you know what we will frequently experience? Joy, peace, happiness, gladness, delight. We're going to see all those things tied to this little phrase, in the Lord. Before we're done, I'll ask you that question based on what we see. I think there's a good way. The Bible has a number of tests for us. And one of the tests that I've gotten over the last couple days and the last week studying this passage is whether or not we're living in the Lord test. <laughs> not, not necessarily saved or not saved. It could be, but I'm just, whether or not we are living in the Lord. If we don't have some of these things tied to that phrase, then maybe we need to do a little examination and consider I may be saved, maybe not. I'm not saying question it if you know you're saved. I'm just saying if you're saved and you don't have those things, maybe we're not living our life in the Lord. We're living it in ourself, in our flesh. All right, so Hannah rejoiced in the Lord. What's that? Horn is exalted in the Lord. Her horn is exalted. That's talking about her, her position, her authority, or her power. In her home, she was looked at as low because she was not able to give her husband a son. Now that she was able to give him a son, her position in the home was, was elevated. 1 Samuel chapter 30, I think I put this one on the screen, and David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. That sounds pretty terrible, doesn't it? But you know what happened? But David encouraged himself in his God. He encouraged himself in his God, in the Lord. When we are discouraged, when we are distressed, when we are in a bad place, we can find encouragement in the Lord. The problem is we look for encouragement in earthly things, whether it be people, whether it be possessions, whether it be uh, food, <laughs> position, 
Right. Yeah, moving up in our job or with the people that are in our lives being looked at as a, in a better place than what we really ought to be or trying to put ourselves higher than them or than others. Absolutely. We look for encouragement in all those things. You know, as a pastor, I have a lot of opportunities to preach, well, at least four times a week. And you know, sometimes I walk away and I'm like, man, I don't know how that went. You know, I don't know how that message went. And sometimes I'll ask my family or my kids, a lot of times I don't have to ask them now. <laughs> They're like, that was a great message, Dad. But you know what's funny? When I hear it from them, sometimes in the back of my mind, I've got this little voice going, well, they just know they're supposed to say that. <laughs> they're just trying, to, just trying to be nice, you know? And I'm, that's not necessarily the case. But, you know, we can try to get discouraged. I heard a pastor preach recently, and he said, you know what the hardest day of the week is for a pastor? A lot of times it's Monday morning. Because Sunday is such a big day, you know, you get all God's people with you, you preach, and a lot of times people do say, hey, I appreciated that message, great message. You know, there's singing and just all these things that are built around the Lord, but then Monday rolls around, and it's like, did yesterday really go as well as I think it did? <laughs> you know, and the devil starts whispering and trying to discourage. Well, David had all these people wanting to stone him. They were grieved. They wanted to kill him. But he encouraged himself in the Lord. He found the way that he could be encouraged was through the Lord. All right. You know, if we, if we ask the question, do you like to be encouraged? Probably all of us would say yes. Nobody would rather be discouraged than encouraged. Some people may not really need people to encourage them. They might not need those things. But most people appreciate it at least from time to time. You know, the reality is people let us down. Sometimes we want to be encouraged, and that encouragement doesn't come from the sources we are looking for. But if we encourage ourselves in the Lord, He'll never let us down. There is always encouragement and help in the Lord. So we see there's blessings in the Lord. There are consequences to not being in the Lord. So to be clear, being in the Lord requires faith, trust, belief. We'll see some verses say hope in the Lord. I already said we can be saved and not living in the Lord. So let's look at Psalm chapter 4. We're going to jump over to Psalms now, and we'll look at several verses, but we will go through one verse at a time. Psalm chapter 4, and they're, they're in order, I think. I think I got them all in order, so it'll, it should flow somewhat. Verse 5, Psalm chapter 4, Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness. I'm not saying make an offering on the altar of an animal, but righteous living. And put your trust in the Lord. Psalm 21, verse number 7. For the king trusteth in the Lord, and through the mercy of the Most High he shall not be moved. We're seeing that 
First and foremost, being in the Lord requires faith and trust. And I think sometimes we struggle with living our life in the Lord because of a lack of faith. Because we're not trusting in the Lord. We are focusing on ourselves and what we can do or what others can do for us, but we're not trusting in the Lord. Psalm 31. And verse 24. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. You know that word hope? It's talking about just an earnest expectation. It's like our trust and our faith coming together, or maybe a result of our faith and trust. And it's, it goes from, yeah, I'm trusting the Lord, to I'm trusting the Lord to the point that I am anticipating what he's going to do. I am expecting it. An earnest expectation, I think, is Webster's 1828. I'm anticipating what he's going to do. That's how much I'm trusting him. I'm not just saying I'm trusting him, but I'm actually waiting. I know today we use the word hope, and we mean, boy, I hope that's going to happen. Boy, I hope I get that new bike for Christmas. Boy, I hope I get that new hat for my birthday or whatever. That's how we use hope now, but when the Bible uses hope, a little bit different. It's an earnest expectation of something that we know is going to happen because of our faith, because we're trusting. So that's what that's talking about. Psalm 32, verses 10 through 11. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord, and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. You notice that? Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for God's mercy. I received God's mercy the day that I believed in him. The day I placed my faith and trust in the Lord. And because I've placed my faith and trust in Him, because of His mercy, I can be glad in the Lord and rejoice and shout for joy. In fact, I ought to. I ought to have be glad in the Lord. I recently heard a message on how to be happy. And it was interesting. There were some good points. There were some good points. There just wasn't a lot of Bible. That was the part I struggled with. There just wasn't a lot of Bible. Um, but we'll see here in a couple moments that when we're in the Lord, we can be happy. And one of the reasons we struggle with being happy in this life is because we're looking for our happiness in this life. But there isn't a lot of happiness in the trials and hardships and hurtful things that take place in our life here on this earth. But you know where there is always happiness? In the Lord. If we focus on what we have in Him. You know, some of us have had some horrible things happen in our lifetime. Some terrible things. Some of us have done some terrible things in our lifetime. And if we dwell on those things, we can remain in a miserable state of mind. And the devil will use that to strip us of our joy. 
But you know what? If we are saved and we are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, then the things we've done, he's forgotten them. We haven't, but he has. He's forgotten them. So we don't need to let them bring us down anymore. We don't need to let them discourage us. That's why in Philippians, or no, in Colossians, it says, and let the peace of God. One of the reasons we don't have the peace of God sometimes, I think, is because we don't let the peace of God rule in our hearts. Instead, we let all these miserable things from this earth rule our hearts and keep us depressed and down and discouraged. But instead, we need to let the peace of God rule in our hearts. All right, I don't remember where I was. Psalm 32. Well, that's where we were, so now we're going to Psalm 34. There we go. 34.2. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. I like verse 3 too. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. You know, uh, I didn't think of this until now. But you know where it says, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. One of the reasons we want encouragement from other people so much is because we want to boast on ourselves. We want people to encourage us because it's building us up to be something special. But instead, we should be the second part of that verse, the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Why are the humble glad? Well, because the boasting is not in a person, but the boasting is in the Lord. We ought to boast in the Lord. We ought to magnify the Lord and exalt His name and not look to magnify our own name or boast in our own name or in our own accomplishments. We will have so much more joy if we focus on Him and what He's done and not me and what I've done. Because if I focus on me and what I've done, I might be able to find a few good things, but then I'm going to start to remember my failures too. I'll start to remember my shortcomings. There's plenty of them. And when I start thinking about those things, boasting in myself all of a sudden isn't so fun. <laughs> because, I'm, oh man, I was doing really good on that, but then I failed. I was doing really good on that, but then something else caught my eye and I got distracted and I never finished it. And I was, there's a lot of those things in my life. <laughs> you know, we think, it's not that funny, come on. <laughs> you know, we think about all the things that we didn't do, we should have done, you know, we could have done, but we didn't. And we don't have so much to boast in pretty quickly. But when we boast in the Lord, we'll never run out of things. Because every good thing in my life cometh down from the Father of lights, according to the book of James. Every good thing in my life is from Him. It's not from me. It's because of Him. It's not because of me. It's because of His grace and His mercy. It's because He's long-suffering. Well, what about the people who aren't saved and have good things in their lives? Well, God is long-suffering to us. And He causeth the rain to falleth on the good and the, the just and the unjust. That's it. So it's not only people who are saved that receive God's blessing. And people who are saved don't only receive blessings. There are hard things in life. There are challenges. 
And when we go through them, we can always boast in the Lord. All right, next verse. Psalm 37. Keep losing my place because that air conditioner turns the pages if I don't have something holding it. Psalm 37, verses 4 through 7. I, I like this. Oh, wait a minute. we got to do verse 3, too. You know what? Let's just start in verse 1. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. You know, there's a lot of things that don't go the way that we want them to or would like them to. You know, think about our country. Think about the last three years, the last 25 years. There's a lot of things that that happened that we look at and go, oh man, how come they are got it so good and yet they're so wicked? How come I've got it so bad and yet I'm striving to live for my Savior? Well, I guess I'll say this. Don't worry and dwell so much on those things. If we look for America to give us our delight, we are going to be let down every time. We're going to be disappointed. And on the rare occasion that something good happens, we're going to be, woohoo! but you know what happens five minutes later? Boo-hoo. Yeah, you're right. From woo-hoo to boo-hoo in an instant. <laughs> it's very true. Something good happens, and then it turns out to really not be as good as what we think it is. Because some media person spun the story and pulled on people's emotions and all this stuff. You can't trust half the stuff that's out there anyways. Anyways, I digress. Let's get back to the Bible. Psalm 104. It says, The glory of the Lord shall endure forever. The Lord shall rejoice in his works. You notice that? The glory of the Lord shall endure forever. The Lord shall rejoice in his works. Not in my works, not in your works, in his works. He looketh on the earth and it trembleth. He toucheth the hills and they smoke. I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. My meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. You like being glad? We have so much to be glad about, if nothing else than just simply our salvation. If you think about what we deserve, and then you think about what we have, 
that should be enough to make us glad until the Lord comes back. I mean, it really ought to be. It should be sufficient. It should be plenty. It should be all we need to think of what I am. Well, we can go back. What I was, what I am, and what I'm going to be. This body that's carrying a little more than it ought to be, okay, a lot more than it ought to be. This body that's knees hurt a little bit today from playing volleyball with the kids yesterday. This body that, uh, you know, doesn't always rest well at night and gets up 15 times to use the restroom. You know, this body that's got all these ailments, and I'm not that old, I know others have it way worse than I do. Brother Joe, you know there's coming a day when you don't have to worry about that neck brace anymore. When you won't have to worry about gaining weight, losing weight. You won't have to worry about whether or not you can see if there's something you're going to trip on. You won't have to worry about any of that anymore because you're going to get a new body. And that's true for every single one of us. And we focus on the neck brace and on all those things. But listen, we can be glad if we focus on what we've got to look forward to and what God has given us instead of focusing on the hard things we deal with right now today. We just get so caught up in that. We don't live in this world. We should live in the Lord. Our focus is on the wrong things. All right, Psalm 118. Psalm 118. Verse number 8. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in men. You know, we could talk about our country again on that one, but we won't. (laughs) Proverbs chapter 3, this is a well-known one. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, probably some could quote it. It says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. We're much better off if we're walking in his his paths than if we're walking in our own paths. Proverbs 16, verse 20. Here's one with unhappiness. If you want to be happy, I'm going to borrow that phrase. It says, He that handleth the matter wisely shall find good, and whoso trusteth in the Lord, happy is he. Well, I'm just never happy. Are you trusting in the Lord? What are we trusting in? What are we relying on? All right, we're going to go through... I think I've got a few verses that will be on the screen here, and then we'll go back to our Bibles for a minute. Isaiah 61.10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. Isn't that enough? He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. Not mine own righteousness, because there is filthy rags, according to the book of Isaiah, but in Christ's righteousness, according to the book of Romans, so that when God the Father looks at me, he doesn't see Nathan's 
filthy rags, he sees Christ's perfect righteousness. And because it's Christ's righteousness applied to my account, one day I will get that glorified body. One day I will spend eternity with my Savior. Not because of me or what I've done, but because of him and what he's done. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with jewels, we have been blessed with what the Lord has, has done for us. Jeremiah 17, 7. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. Habakkuk 3.18 Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Rejoice in the Lord. Is it not clear there's something to this in the Lord phrase? I mean, it's all through the Bible, and so many times we see this phrase. Along comes joy, happiness, gladness, delight, peace. I mean, all those things that we would say, boy, I'd really like to have those things. I didn't do this, but if we went and did a study, we would... We would find a number of those fruits that come as a result of being in the Lord would also tie over to the fruit of the Spirit. So, I guess we, we bear the question, can we say, if we examine ourselves against those things, can we say we are in the Lord? That we're living our life in the Lord? I've already said, I'm not just talking about salvation. Though there could be someone here that says, you know, I can't be in the Lord because the Lord's not in me. If we're going to be in the Lord, we've got to have Him in us first. But maybe you're here and you are saved. And you'd say, you know, I really do, or I really have been struggling with having joy, with being happy, with being glad. I'm frequently in this spirit of negativity and a doldrum and just down in the dumps about my life and where everything is at and yet we see so many references in the Bible to things that are contrary to that for someone who has the salvation of the Lord well if we don't have those things if we're not living in the Lord you know what we are living in we're living in rebellion and the Bible compares rebellion to witchcraft. We'd say, well, I'd never practice witchcraft. No, but when we're rebellious, that's what God sees. It's no different to him. We may as well be practicing witchcraft. That's how he sees rebellion. Psalm 64.10 says, The righteous shall be glad in the Lord, and shall trust in him, and all the upright in heart shall glory. We already read Jeremiah 17.7. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. I'd encourage you, if you have the Lord in you, well, let me, if you don't have the Lord in you, I'd encourage you to come to Him in faith. Receive Him as your personal Savior and He will be in you. If you do have the Lord in you, but you can't say that you have some of these other things that are evidence of the Lord in you, uh, of you being in the Lord, I'd encourage you to examine, am I living by faith? Am I trusting the Lord?
Am I believing his promises? Because there is a lot. Living by faith can be a real challenge. We talked about it a little bit last Sunday when Paul says over in Timothy, I've fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. And we talked about a little bit that the faith life is a battle. It's a struggle. It is a fight. So when Paul said, I've fought a good fight, I've kept the faith, I've finished my course, it's interesting that he puts that in the middle of that. I think he's saying... Living the faith life has been a fight. It's been a struggle. But when we live by faith, we can have joy. We can have gladness. We can have peace. When we don't look to our circumstances, when we don't look to ourselves, when we don't even look to the people around us to provide us all our comforts, but we look to the Lord, He never fails us. He never falls short. He never lets us down. So we're going to wrap up. So I know we didn't talk a lot about children obeying your parents, but I'd ask you, young people, when, you, when your parents ask you to do something and you obey them, do you obey them because you know if you don't there are consequences? Or do you obey them just because you know God wants you to? and you ultimately want to please the Lord. I'd encourage you, even before wanting to please your parents, desire to please the Lord. And parents, if we are doing our job, it will start with the child obeying because they want to please us or they don't want the consequences. But if we do our part, fathers raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, then prayerfully they'll get to the point where their obedience is as much, if not more, about pleasing the Lord than it is about pleasing mom and dad. And when our kids get to that place, then they're ready to really start making some of their own decisions. Because their decisions are then, when they make a decision, they're, they're consulting what would please the Lord. Will I please the Lord with this? And I'm not saying we've accomplished that with our kids. I'm saying that's where we want to be with our kids. All right. So prayerfully, child's in the Lord, and the parents are in the Lord. Understand, we've, right before Ephesians 6 was Ephesians 5, we are best going to, be, going to be able to train our children, raise our children, if we are living that husband and wife relationship that's in Ephesians 5. So, we'll pick up next week with the rest of this passage, but let me ask you, if you're saved today, how do you feel you are living? In the Lord? Not in the Lord. And listen, I'm not asking you to make you feel bad about yourself, although the Bible does say godly sorrow worketh repentance. Uh, so, maybe we need to feel a little bad about where we're at to really ask the Lord to help us get to where we need to be to ask Him for forgiveness for us not having joy and happiness when we ought to. And believe me, this is another one of those situations where I can go like this, 
but these three fingers are all pointing back at me because these are I'm, I'm preaching this stuff because it's in the Bible, not because I'm perfect at it, okay? So understand, I'm working on this stuff too, and the Lord's been beating me up while I've been preparing this message. So if you feel bad about yourself, understand I've been feeling bad about myself all week. So joyfulness, gladness, uh, gladness, Joyfulness, ha uh, gladness, there we go, happiness, delight, rest, all things that we ought to have if we are living our life in the Lord. If we don't have them, then we have some examination and some prayer. We live in a very carnal age of Christianity, and it's less common for people to live their life in the Lord. I'd encourage us, really examine and strive to be in the Lord. All right, that's what I have for today. Let's go ahead and pray for a couple minutes, and then we will fellowship as we go. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what it is that you will provide to us. We can have if we would truly live our life in the Lord and not live our life in the flesh. <coughs> Lord, I pray you'd help us. If there's someone here today that doesn't know you as Savior, then, Lord, I pray you'd convict them and draw them to yourself. Lord, I pray that we'd all have you in us because we've trusted you as our Savior. And Lord, when we have the Lord in us, I pray that we would learn and strive and truly desire to live in you. Lord, what a blessing <laughs> to see what the fruit of living in you is. First, the trust and the faith and the belief and the hope. And then, Father, we see the joy and gladness and happiness. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to live a life in you and enjoy the blessings of it, to be thankful for all that you've given us. Before we close the prayer this morning, is there anyone that would slip up their hand and just say, Pastor Nathan, I have never trusted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, but I would like to know that one day I'm going to spend eternity with Him. I'd like to know that my sins have been forgiven. And I am right with the God of the universe. If you're here today and that's you, would you just slip up your hand and say, Pastor, I've never trusted Christ as my Savior, but I know I need to be saved. Just slip up your hand. about Christians. You don't have to raise your hand, but maybe you'd say, I've really not been very joyful lately. Not been very happy. Maybe, maybe you've been grouchy or moody or irritable. There's lots of reasons why we get like that. 
but they're really excuses. And I'm, believe me, I'm under conviction. I, be, I am those things at times, but I really don't want to be. I want to live my life in the Lord and be joyful and happy and glad, be able to delight in Him. He's given us everything we need to do that. The day He saved us, that was sufficient. That was enough. I pray the Lord helps us to truly find joy in Him. While the piano plays, let's just give folks a couple minutes to pray, then I'll close us out. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the blessings that we can have, that we do have, through salvation and living our life in you. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't take what you've done for us, what you've provided us for granted, but Lord, help us to truly, right down to the very fiber of our being, find joy and gladness in you. Lord, what a blessing it is to be saved. What a blessing it is to have a Savior who loves us, a God who loves us, and has provided such wonderful blessings for us. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to enjoy those blessings and live our lives for you. Give us safety as we leave. Those who can't stay, Lord, bless the food to our bodies and the fellowship next door.